this, this man, I've never heard that song before, wonderful, wonderful. As always, I, I yield the service to the Lord, I, I try to anyway, and so if you need to spend time with the Lord, you can't ever be afraid to do that Amen. at any time of the service. It's time to preach, I'll preach. If it's time to just let the Lord move in your heart, then I always want to yield to Him to do so. Psalm chapter 97 in your Bibles, if you would please, this evening. Psalm chapter 97. We'll begin reading in verse number 10. Thank you, ladies, for that wonderful song. Psalm chapter 97, we'll begin reading in verse number 10. Let's all stand to our feet. If we could please, in honor of the Word of God as we read it, Psalm chapter 97 and verse number 10. Ye that love the Lord, hate evil. Ye that love the Lord, hate evil. He preserveth the souls of His saints. He delivereth them out of the hand of the wicked. Light is sown for the righteous and gladness for the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, ye righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of His holiness. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that You would please anoint this service with power from on high. I beg You please for Your Holy Spirit filling. I ask that You would please guide and direct my thoughts and my speech. Help me to preach Your Word. Help me to preach it with compassion, love, boldness, and truth. Lord, I pray that You would do the work that only you can do, that my words cannot. I, I may say things that wouldn't be the way you would want me to say them. I, Lord, I, I know my humanity, and I, I know how much your power is required in every service. Amen. I pray that tonight you would make a dividing line in the hearts and minds of your people. And separate us from sin and from our sin. I pray, Lord, that Your Holy Spirit conviction and compelling would sweep across this place. I pray that You would revive us in our love for You and in our hatred for sin. We pray these things as we ask it in Jesus' name. And amen. You can be seated. The Bible says, Ye that love the Lord hate evil. It's not necessarily a statement that is made about Christians as much as it is a statement or a command that is given to us. In other words, the Bible isn't necessarily saying, Ye that love the Lord, obviously you hate evil. Don't we only wish that were true? 
Unfortunately, we know even as Paul said that there is a war in our members where our flesh does not hate sin like it should. So, the Lord tells us, if you love the Lord, hate evil. In Psalm 101 and verse number 3, the Bible says, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. In Psalm 119, in two different places, the Bible says, Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. In another place it says, I hate and abhor lying, but thy law do I love. In Proverbs chapter number 8 and verse number 13, the Bible says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy, and the evil way, and the froward mouth do I hate. In Amos chapter number 5 and verse number 15, the Bible says, Hate the evil and love the good. And establish judgment in the gate. It may be that the Lord God of hosts will be gracious unto the remnant of Joseph. In case you think that hatred of something such as this is only for the Old Testament, that in the New Testament we live in the grace period and there should be no hate of anything in the grace period, then I present to you the book of Romans, chapter number 7 and verse number 15. For that which I do allow not, for what I would, that do I not, but what I hate, that do I. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? In Romans chapter number 12 and verse number 9, yet another New Testament passage along with many others. Others, The Bible says, Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Ye that love the Lord, hate evil. I want you to first see the contrast of these two statements. Ye that love the Lord. The truth is, if we did love God enough, we would love the things that He loves and we would hate the things that He hates. Which reveals in us a discrepancy that we may not be willing to admit. Culture today is trying to do everything in its power to get sin to be justified in every fashion. And even good Christian people are starting to give in to this idea that we should just not be stirred up about sinful things anymore. But we're told, ye that love the Lord, hate evil. If we're honest with ourselves, we know we don't love the Lord enough to hate evil enough. And that really is the root of it. We don't love the Lord like we should. I don't love Him like I should. If I did, I would abhor and hate that which He hates. 
The contrast of these statements is stark. I don't mean to bring a heaviness into the service this evening, but you know, preachers just don't preach against sin enough anymore. Even our churches are trying to justify and water down sin. And we wonder why we're struggling so much in our nation. The pulpits don't thunder out against it anymore. My dad used to say every now and then, it's good for me to just go back into one of the changing rooms and, and grab a bomb and come out to the pulpit and drop it every now and then. Every now and then, a preacher ought to stand up and clear off a space behind the pulpit and just preach on sin. Ye that love the Lord hate evil. Do we love Him? What do our actions reveal about that? Do we love Him? There's the contrast of these statements. There's the command of these statements. We're commanded to hate it. We're being brainwashed as a culture into embracing any type of sin as a lifestyle. So much of it is being thrown in our faces that some Christians are becoming numb to it. And that's exactly where the world and the devil and our flesh would have us to go. We shouldn't be numb to sin just because other people are living in it. We shouldn't be numb to sin just because Hollywood is so prevalent with it. We shouldn't be numb to sin just because so many politicians are so steeped in it. Every Christian in this room, including myself, needs to be reminded it is our mandate, it is our calling, it is our instruction from a holy God to hate evil. To hate it. There's the contrast of these statements. The great love that we ought to have for the Lord and the hatred that we ought to have for evil. There's the command of these statements, that it is a command of every Christian to hate that which is evil. What is the definition of hate in this passage? When God says, ye that love the Lord hate evil, He is saying you ought to be the enemy of it, and you ought to hate it, not just hate it, but hate it utterly, completely, to the point of absolute disgust. It ought to bother us. We shouldn't be comfortable with it. It ought to bother us. Every kind of sin. But you see, the word evil is an interesting It's an interesting word when it concerns sin. You see, evil is sin that brings adversity, affliction, calamity, distress, great grief, harm and hurt, heaviness, misery, naughtiness, sadness, sorrow, 
trouble, vexation, wretchedness, and wrong into the life of those who do it. And there were many more definitions to the word evil that I didn't bring this evening. But when you dig into the word evil, what you find is that what God is doing is He is defining to us that sin is more than just sin, it becomes evil. And what evil is, is it is sin that affects harm in the life of the person that does it or on the lives of others that are impacted by it. It's sin that destroys. It's sin that brings heartache. It's sin that breaks up marriages. It's sin that causes pride and contention. It's sin that breaks up churches. We can, we can call it anything else, but if a church breaks up, it's sin at the root. It's sin that addicts young people. It's sin that destroys hearts and minds. It's sin when young people step outside of marriage and do things that they shouldn't be doing. We can't fall into the trap of living with and accepting sin because it all eventually leads to death. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth what? Death. So therefore, that means all sin is evil. All sin is evil. And sometimes we like to justify the little sins in our lives, but can I tell you that little sins have just as much ability to bring death to everything they touch because little sin is still sin. And while we like to put degrees to our sins, the truth is that a bad attitude is a sin just as much as pornography is a sin. Bitterness is a sin just as much as drunkenness is a sin. Rebellion is a sin just as much as witchcraft is a sin. Sin is sin. And sometimes we like to play around with our little pet sins and act like, well, I've got control of this one. I don't have any big ones in my life. I'm not drinking. I'm not smoking. I'm not cussing. I'm not going to the bars. I'm not going to the parties. I'm not wearing the inappropriate clothing. I'm fine. But sometimes it's the sins of the heart that are hidden that are sometimes the most dangerous because nobody else can see them, so they're allowed to sit and fester. Sometimes the most destructive sins are the ones that nobody else can see. Because we can hide them and get away with them. And every now and then they rise back up to the surface and they spring out and it comes out in a bad attitude or a bad spirit and suddenly it's revealed to us that we've been hiding that sin in our lives but what you do with those little sins will determine what those little sins do with you. All sin leads to death when it is un, 
touched. I don't believe that that passage is only speaking of the sin that leads unto the death of our soul, although I do believe that it speaks of that. But I believe that all sin left undealt with, left untouched, all sin that is left in our lives will eventually lead to the death of whatever it is that it is left in. The sin of a bitter and bad spirit can destroy the relationships that you have with all people around you. It'll kill them. The sin of rebellion can cause a young person to disrespect all authority, including God's authority, and come to the point where they are unable to follow any rules in life. We like to excuse some sins because we don't think they're as big as others. But rebellion can destroy the spirit of a young person and cause them to become the kind of young person that cannot be dealt with by God or anybody else. Don't allow the world to numb your hatred for evil and sin. Ye that love the Lord, hate evil. In order to hate sin, we need to label it correctly. It's sin. It's not a lifestyle. It's not just the way I am. We like to let the world put all these different labels on all these different types of sin. We live in a society that makes and glorifies certain sins and makes them a glorified thing like revenge. Revenge is the theme of nearly everything that comes out of Hollywood. Rebellion is the theme that comes out of nearly everything in Hollywood. The truth is that people are getting numbed and dumbed down to some of the so-called little pet sins, and if they are left alone, they will destroy and kill and lead to death. Your sin needs to be labeled correctly. It's not a lifestyle. It's not a preference. It's not a genetic difference. It's sin. In order to hate sin, it needs to be labeled correctly. In order to hate sin, we need to see its destructive nature. Evil is sin that harms and causes lasting effects. Alcohol destroys marriages and relationships, and people cannot get delivered from their sin of drunkenness until they label it as a sin. If you want to call it anything else, it's hard to overcome it until you're willing to be honest about it and label it for what it is, which is a sin. But you know, it's amazing to me, it's not alcohol anymore that is the biggest issue in our homes today. I heard a preacher say, and he said it jokingly at a table while we were sitting around talking quite a few years ago, an older preacher who's been around for a long time, he said, you know, there was a day when we were, I think the question was asked to him, uh, what he saw in churches 
today in comparison with the past and how he would compare uh, churches today to the churches of the past and maybe what some of the greater challenges are that we face today. And he, he made an interesting comment and he said it somewhat jokingly, somewhat sarcastically, but he said, you know, there was a day when preachers used to stand up and they would preach against cussing, smoking, drinking, and beating your wives. He said today, sin has gotten so bad that sometimes you can't even mention it from the pulpit. And he said the truth is, if we've got somebody in our churches that's doing those types of things, they're basically a deacon now. There was a day when we called sin what it was and we saw its destructive nature. I remember when I was a young man, my dad would sing a song with junior churches and with kids' services, and he would sing a song. Some, of, some people thought maybe I made it up at the spur of a moment the other day because it doesn't sound like much of a song, but at, uh, at, at um, uh, Vacation Bible School, uh, we sang a song one night, I hate sin, I hate it bad, I hate sin, it makes me mad, it is wrong, it is wicked when it comes along, I'll kick it, I hate sin, because I love God. It's not very creative, but it sure did get a point across. Amen. And he'd sing that song with little kids, and he'd say, oh, you know what? I hate drinking. You know why I hate drinking? And he'd preach on it a little while. Because of what it does to families, and because people who get drunk come home and beat their kids, and, and people who get drunk spend all of their paychecks, and they don't have any money to pay their bills, and they lose their homes. I hate drinking. And boy, he'd say, you kids ought to hate drinking. Let's sing it together. I hate drinking. I hate, and boy, we'd get mad, and it would well up inside of us, and we'd get that mean face, and then at the end we'd say, because I love God. And he'd say, when you come across a beer can in the road, what you ought to do is you ought to hole off and kick it. Although he said, sometimes if you do that and there's beer in it, you'll get it all over you. But you ought to hate it so bad, you want to kick a beer can on the side of the road. And I remember when I was a kid, if I was walking down the road from the parsonage over to the church and I saw a beer can, I remembered what was told to me when I was a kid and I kicked that stupid thing out of hatred. Never had a beer can in our home, not once. Never, never, never... And I thank God for that. But I was taught to hate it. And now today we are taught to accept every sin that every person gets involved in and it has numbed people to what is really going on in our culture. Our country is breaking down because we have lost our hatred of sin. We're expected to just accept whatever sin everybody wants to live in. But anymore... It's not, it's, not, it's not drinking and, and cussing and smoking and, and, and wife beating that's the problem. Now, it's also drug addiction. Drugs change your chemical composition and addict you like you can't imagine. And while God can deliver people that get into that stuff, the times that it happens are rare, it's destructive, and you ought to hate it! Pornography rewires your brain and steals your purity and it shouldn't be accepted. It shouldn't be glorified. It shouldn't be numbed towards. We ought to hate that kind of sin. It ought to scare you 
for your kids to sit around with a phone in their hands or a tablet in their room and you not know what's going on. Don't you ever get used to the fact that sin destroys. It'll destroy their minds. It'll destroy their chemical makeup. It'll destroy their attitude. It'll destroy their spirit. People who get hooked on pornography get to the point where they don't even know who they are anymore and they can't see up from down. They don't know what's right or wrong and they're only living for their own satisfaction and that will work into every area of their life. Those are the easy ones to preach on because just about all of us can say amen to something that's obviously a sin. But what about rebellion? What about it? What about it? This culture, young people today, no respect for authority. Talking back to their parents. You parents, please hear me out. You know by the things that I've taught and I've said since I've been here, I love my kids to death, but there are some things that ought to scare you. And you know something that ought to scare you? When your children talk back to you. Don't let them do it. And it's not because you're the authority and you ought to be respected. It's because if you leave the sin of rebellion alone in their lives, that the sin of rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. The sin of rebellion addicts young people to the idea that they can reject all truth and kick against the pricks and they don't have to listen to the Holy Spirit of God. And if you let them get away with it towards you, they'll get away with it towards God. Or at least they'll think they will. did a study on that once and I don't have the notes in front of me. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And immediately when you think about that, the connections don't make sense. But you know what witchcraft does? It attempts to replace the power of God with your own power. Think about it. You don't need miraculous power from God. You have the power. Hello? Doesn't it? That's what people love about witchcraft, that they could have a power beyond normal power. Yes? It attempts to replace the power and authority of God by making you a God. Hello? Rebellion does the same thing. Rebellion makes you the God of your life by rejecting all authority. And you leave it in the the heart of your child and what you'll do is you will rear a child who is addicted to their own power. It says the sin of witchcraft. It attempts to replace the authority of God. I did a whole study on that. There's a few things that witchcraft does that represents what also rebellion will do. Rebellion is such a serious thing that Saul, when he committed it against God, was removed from the kingdom. Is everybody okay? But we think it's okay in our children's lives. Huh? Huh? And isn't it amazing? What did Saul eventually go to? To the witch of Endor seeking a familiar spirit. Hello? Amen. 
Gossip sows discord and is hated by God. Gossip. Gossip tears apart relationships. It removes the power of the Holy Spirit from a church because that church can't be in one accord. It is a shame when God's people can't stop talking. It's a sin. It's not a personality difference. It's a sin. It's not just sharing a little information. It's a sin. Ye that love the Lord hate evil. We don't call sin evil anymore. Because we don't see it as harmful. But once you see it the way that it should be seen, you'll see that all sin harms eventually. Which means all sin is evil and we ought to hate it. we're going to hate sin, we have to label it correctly. We have to see its destructive nature. I mentioned this earlier, but we have to love God appropriately. If we love Him enough, we'll despise anything that breaks our relationship with Him or breaks His heart. In the first chapter of 1 John, what is described to us is that sin breaks our fellowship with God. It ought to bother us when we have a broken relationship with our Heavenly Father. I am, I am fighting with something. I'm trying to decide if it's the Lord putting it in my mind or if it's me and I'm, I'm thinking and praying. There will come a time in your walk with God where sin bothers you because it changes your fellowship with Him. If you walk closely enough with Him, and if, des if you desire to please Him, there should come a time in your walk with Him where you don't want to have broken fellowship with Him. We ought to see it through God's eyes. If we're going to hate it, we ought to see it through God's eyes. At some point, sin has to be seen in the light of God's eyes. He died for us to be delivered from it. He watched His own Son die brutally for it. How do you think He views it? Sin is not acceptable to God. It gives Him wrath and anger. And it shouldn't be acceptable to us. We need to learn in today's culture and in every culture 
how to love the sinner and hate the sin. This is the kind of love that Jesus demonstrated for us. He hated sin and died because He loved us in spite of our sin. He called us friends and died for us, but also told us the truth about our sin. He told the woman at the well about her many husbands. He told the rich young ruler about how he was unwilling to sell everything that he had to follow him. He talked to the leper about how that there were ten that he had healed and only one that returned to him in thankfulness. He stood before crowds and preached about not loving each other. And he preached about the things that were sinful. And the truth is that as much as he loved the sinners, he hated their sin. If you... A couple months ago, in our ministry instruction class. We did some classes on preaching. And we went through a little thing that I, I was taught years ago. Matter of fact, Brother Oliver Reza, who was here a couple months ago, uh, he was taught this when he was a preacher boy. It was an exercise that they did, a preaching exercise, when he was taking preaching classes as a young teenage boy in his, in his church. And uh, the man that was teaching that class would teach those young preacher boys a little phrase and a few hand motions in order to get them to learn how to raise their voice and get stirred up a little bit. And so he taught them how to lift their hands and say this phrase over and over and over again, love the people, hate sin, and don't quit. And I still remember as a young man at... I think junior camp or teen camp, I don't remember which, as Brother Oliver Reza stood up and he pounded the pulpit and he said over and over again, love the people, hate sin, and don't quit. I remember being told that I ought to learn to love the sinner and hate the sin. This is where we have a major confusion in culture today. Some young Christians have been taught that in order to love the sinner, you are supposed to accept and love their sin, and nothing could be farther from the truth. That is as saying that in order to love somebody who's playing in the road and a semi is coming their way, I ought to keep loving them by not warning them and let them stay in the road and let their life get destroyed. That is not love, my friend. That is turning a blind eye. Sin always destroys. It always leads to death. Wouldn't you say that a loving person, if they knew you were headed to your death, would try to stop you from it? We have this idea of dealing with sin all warped in today's culture. Well, in order to lead people to Christ, we just have to accept them where they are. Uh, no, you need to love them, but they need to be told about their sin. We should never look down on a sinner for acting like a sinner. We should have pity for those living in sin who need a Savior, but we should also be willing to tell them the truth in love. Cruel and hateful statements about a person is wrong, but honest and gracious and truthful statements about sin and how it harms is love.
this is just me. You can try to meditate on this a little bit, however you may think best. There are times when in a public setting around other people that are lost that I will speak up for what is right if something is said or done that is wrong. At the same time, there are some things that when you're living in a lost and wicked world, the truth is, you can't look down on a lost man for acting like a lost man. He's lost. What do you expect out of him? But that doesn't mean that his sins should be acceptable. Some Christians are getting sucked into this idea that it's okay to hang around those that are sinning because that's how you reach them and that's what Jesus did. <laughs> you need to go study the life of Jesus a little bit better. He didn't get involved in their sin. And He didn't hang around them while they were sinning. Christians need to be stirred up against sin again. We need fathers stirred up against sin. We need mothers who hate what sin will do to their kids. We need Americans who are stirred up about what sin is doing in our country. We can't afford to be numb to sin because it is so rampant in culture. We ought to hate Evil. We ought to hate it when we see it in Hollywood. We ought to hate it when we hear about it going on in the school systems. We ought to hate it when we hear it out of the music industry. We ought to hate sin in every form, in every corner, in every place because sin is destructive, sin is harmful, sin will destroy our nation. Hate sin. Hate sin. Ye that love the Lord, hate evil. But I want to close with this. We ought to hate sin in our own lives as much as we hate it in the lives of others. We shouldn't be comfortable with it. We should be bothered by it. When a person gets to the point where we excuse our sin and feel comfortable with our sin, we are on the verge of total loss. Loss of the conviction of the Holy Spirit. A relative of mine got away from the Lord for many years. Grew up in church. Hung around the wrong church crowd. One of them was the preacher's son. Preacher's son got into sin and so did some of the others in the church. And I've said this before and I will say it again. I will not brush my kids' sin under the rug if they get into sin. I will love them. I'll help them through it. But the only way for them to learn their lessons is to learn that sin has consequences. We don't help our kids by sheltering them when they sin and acting like it never happened. 
doesn't help a thing. I'll always be there for them to have a shoulder to cry on and help them pick up the pieces if they're willing to repent of their sin and they want to get right with God, I'll be there right there with them. But if they want to live in their sin, I cannot help them. Lived in sin for I don't know how long. Some years. Grew up in church. Had every chance to live for God. And after some time, something changed in his life and he began to turn things around. And none of us quite understood it because even while he was living in sin, he had, had, had uh, uh, continued, or even while he was in church and living in sin, he had continued to come to church and he had heard messages over and over again, but nothing was changing. And then one day he started getting things right. and He was asked why it was that things began to change. And this is what he said. He said, I lived in sin for years and the conviction of the Holy Spirit would bother me. He said, and then there came a day when I realized I had been living in sin for some time and I didn't feel any conviction anymore. I didn't feel any sorrow anymore. I wasn't bothered by it anymore. And he said, that scared me. I realized I had lost the conviction of God and I did not want to go a step further. When a person begins to excuse and feel comfortable with their sin, they're on the verge of total loss. Listen, Loss of the conviction of God. And when a Christian becomes so calloused that they can no longer hear or feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, they are on the verge of total loss. If you're still fighting against your sin, if you still feel bad about it, I'm not saying that's a good place to be. You ought to be in a place where you are free of your sin. But at least... The Holy Spirit is still working. But if you ever get to the point where you don't feel bad about your sin anymore, you better run to the altar. You better get right with God because you are on the verge of absolute, total loss. Loss of the conviction of God. Loss of a relationship with God. Loss of God's will in your life. There are some sins that you can go so far that even if you get right with God, you cannot have some of the things back that you lost. You absolutely can lose the ability to have God's perfect will in your life. The loss of conviction, the loss of a relationship with God, the loss of God's will in your life, the loss of joy, the loss of peace, the loss of Christian friends, the loss of all things that are godly and right. You listen to me. When you begin to excuse and feel comfortable with your sin, you're on the verge of total loss of all things that are helpful in your life. We need to hate sin. Ye that love the Lord, 
hate evil. Let's look at it again and I'll be finished. Please, verse number 10 of Psalm 97. Ye that love the Lord, hate evil. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that You would please divide us this evening by the power of Your Holy Spirit from our sins. Separate us from those things that have hold on us. Reinvigorate in our hearts and minds a hatred for that which is evil and a love for that which is good. I pray that the conviction of Your Holy Spirit would flood this place. That we hate sin in our own lives and we hate sin in general, in every way. Revive and restore in the hearts of Your people a hatred for evil. Dearly Father, 